Welcome to Stuff from the Science Lab from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey guys, welcome to the podcast. This is Alice Nattermilk, the science editor at HowStuffWorks.com. And this is Robert Lamb, science writer at HowStuffWorks.com. And uh, I've got a question for you, Allison. Have you ever played Dungeons & Dragons? I haven't. Uh, I think my brother did. Yeah. My, my oldest brother used to play Dungeons & Dragons. We, we know how it works. You have like a character, right? Yeah. Like maybe you're an elf or you're a mage or you're an elf What's and a mage. mage. A mage is like, like a wizard, you know, okay. like fireball spells and all that. Oh, the um, guy just died. Dave. No. Didn't he die last Gary, year? Gary. Gary oh, Gorax. Okay. Yeah, it was at least last year. Yeah, it but, was. But at any rate, my, my point being, in this game, you have a character mm-hmm. and you gain experience points. And then you reach that point where you level up and you go from like you're a level one elven mage to a level two elven mage. Right. And suddenly you have new spells and a new type of fireball, you know. And uh, and then there's a lot of this in video games, too. You know, you reach that next level, you gain new powers, new responsibilities. Right. Humans, whether in games or in real life, are always trying to advance. I guess that's the point you're getting at, isn't it? Yeah. Like you're trying to become a level five editor, right? <laughs> Indeed. At which point you get fireballs. <laughs> yeah. For writers who mess up on their uh, questions of the day, I get to hawk nuclear missiles at them. Oh, always no, I, I would never do that. Maybe a fireball. Yeah, I think fireball's more your speed for level five. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But my point being that civilizations, uh, according to uh, some cosmologists and science fiction writers, right. also level up. Yeah. So today we thought we'd uh, bring to you a look at the Kardashev scale, thanks to Nikolai Kardashev, a Russian astrophysicist and director of the Space Research Institute of the Academy of Sciences in Moscow. And yeah. this was a guy who conducted the first Soviet search for intelligent extraterrestrial signals in 1963. Yeah, it was like Soviet SETI going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. not Soviet City, but Soviet SETI. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it comes down to, the okay, you're looking for intelligent extraterrestrial life in the universe. Sure. That's great, but what are you looking for, actually, you know? Are, you know, you, you need something to look for. You need some idea of what this intelligent life could be. And as always, we uh, we end up falling back on our own model. Well, yeah. You know, I mean, what more do we have to go on? Yeah. We do, we're the only intelligent you know, species in the universe that we know of. So if we're going to guess at what that might entail for another planet in another corner of the universe, we have to base it on this model. Right. 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 That makes sense. So. Uh, so, yeah. It bas- so he basically would take our um, our civilization. All right. And extrapolate on it, you know, look at look at what our technology is, what our understanding of science is. And by in and, and just and, and say, what would that be like in, you know, X number of years? Uh, because because one of the things when you're looking for for alien life, you got to think some of these um, alien life forms, if they exist, could be billions of years ahead of us. So they've got, a, right. you know, a huge head start and they could their technology could already be really advanced. So how do you classify that? And then how do you look for it? And what's the common thread that runs through all civilizations? I mean, what do we need? What, do, what does every species need to survive? We need energy, of course. Right. And so Kardashev's scale is built on energy. Yeah. Now, starting off, well, not really starting off, but currently we're, um, we're about a, according to Carl Sagan, about a 0.7 on the right. Kardashev scale. So let's scale. run you through the different kinds of civilizations. Kardashev named three, a type one, a type two, and type three. So we're right. going to start you off with type one. Well, let's- type zero, technically. Because type zero is, is is what we technically are, or type zero point seven. Anyway, <laughs> we're not on the scale yet. That's never a good thing, I don't think. Yeah, well, it's it is what it is. But but yeah, we're not quite on the scale yet. 
But we're getting closer and closer. Type one is the the next one. This is when we're gonna if we reach this point, we're gonna level up. Okay, so yeah, let's talk about what a type one civilization should be. What what Kardashev imagined it to be. Um, he thought that these kind of civilizations are masters of planetary energy, which is no small feat. Mm-hmm. Um, meaning that they can harness the sum energy of an entire world. But we're not quite there yet. Again, as Robert was saying, we're saying that we were 0.7. Um, so we depend on fossil fuels, as you guys well know, as opposed to wind, solar, geothermal for the most part. Yeah, dead plants instead of actual global forces. Right. We're beholden to the weather, and we haven't really figured out how to manipulate it yet, except for the Olympics in Beijing. Yeah, <laughs> and that's kind of testy. You know, it's kind of like, Indeed. Well, fire some cannons into it. You know, it's... Um, not to the Although point. opening ceremony was pretty clear that night, so I think China yeah. would describe that as. But that's a, that's sure far different evidence. from being like, okay, we've got hurricanes coming in the continent. How are we going to shut one of those down? No doubt, you know? I agree. Um, but yeah, it would just, and and it also would entail, um, according to uh, to, to to some cosmologists, it would just entail becoming a global, a planetary civilization. What do you mean by that? Well, all right. Well, we're, we're kind of the seeds are there, right? Um, like uh, we already in, are beginning to have more of a planetary language. Oh, what is the planetary language? Oh, uh, well, it's English. It's uh, not French. It's it's not French, but <laughs> but uh, according to some, it's English. Especially, um, how do you say that guy's name? Oh, right, the gentleman from the with the crazy hair from City yeah, University of um, New York, as opposed to NYU, which I think we erroneously said before, Michio Kaku. Kaku, yeah, Mr. Kaku, uh, who's Doctor awesome. to you. Doctor, yes, Dr. Kaku, who's all over the internet and is, is awesome, loves talking about this stuff. Um, yeah, he points out that we already are getting to where we have a planetary language in the form of English. Uh, we already have a planetary communication system in the terms of the internet. We're, we're growing planetary uh, economies, such as... Uh, uh, European Union, and we're beginning to have a planetary culture in the form of Lady Gaga. <laughs> well, that's that's not his example, but that's mine. You know, it's like we're getting there are these things that like everybody seems to love because everybody loves Lady Gaga. So you can't even sing one of her songs, I bet. I no, I could if I really wanted to, but we're we're not right. We're a science yeah. podcast. Yeah. You guys don't want to hear that from us anyway. No Lady Gaga impressions, right? So Kaku stresses that a Type One civilization will have mastered. Pretty much most forms of planetary energy. Mm-hmm. And this is this would be thousands or millions uh, times our current planetary output of energy. All right. Um, you know, we're talking controlling earthquakes, uh, volcanoes, being able to build cities out in the middle of the ocean. Um, just, you know, any of these sort of far future ideas that show people just really, you know, like no- nothing that the earth can throw at us can stop us. Because that's the other thing. It's like you. Yeah, we'll be able to snicker at the weather forecast. Yeah, haha, earthquake. Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah. So like all the extinction ed- events, or at least most of the extinction events that, well, no, all all the extinction events that relate to the Earth itself mm-hmm. will be solved. Uh, the, really, but how does he think? Um, you know, cosmic bodies crashing into. The well, Earth? see, that's the thing. That that's where we we would still have a potential threat because okay. we may be masters of planetary energy. Okay. But but. The rest of the energy in the in the solar system, in the universe, et cetera, that's still beyond our grasp. That doesn't mean we're not traveling into space because you could be a type one civilization uh, theoretically and still be still be traveling around the solar system. It just don't you know, it's like you can you can walk the streets. It doesn't mean you own the streets. Uh-huh. You know? So. So what time what kind of time frame are we talking about here? Well, it is as always, it depends who you ask. Our friend, Mr. Keku, uh thinks we'll get there in a mere century. Which sounds a little crazy, fast, but you know, fast. if we're point seven, I mean, Sagan said we were point seven. I think we're somewhere like a point seven four right now on some of these scales. <laughs> people, 
like you know these are the people that are There's watching. There's a Kardashev indicator on the internet somewhere. Yeah, yeah, probably so. It's kind of like the experience point counter in a video game or in your Dungeons and Dragons. And mm-hmm. people are like, oh man, I only have to kill seven more orcs, and then we're totally civil- civilization <laughs> one. Um, Right, so that's an optimistic prediction. If you asked uh, physicist Freeman Dyson, on the other hand, he's thinking maybe within 200 years is yeah. when the leap is going to occur. Yeah, so, you know, and you know, a lot of factors will you know play into that sort of thing. A big one, of course, is will we destroy ourselves before we level up? Right, right. And this is a this is a huge deal that um, that uh, a number of cosmologists stress that that this is a very dangerous um, transition from type zero to type one because are we going to kill ourselves with war? You know, or are we going to, you know, all burn up in, uh, in some sort of, uh, nuclear Armageddon? Are we going to, uh, uh, ravage the planet to where we, you know, we have nothing left to go forward with? When we actually reach the point of becoming a type one civilization, um, you know, they think that we'll, we'll have a lot of this stuff worked out. We'll be a global culture. So global co- cultures aren't going to wage war against themselves, you know, it's like, we'll all be one, that kind of thing. So, and you, you can sort of take that or leave it as you like, you know, cause that brings in the whole question, um, as humanity becomes more and more advanced technologically, um, or even become more uni- unified, um, you know, on a political cultural level, are we real, really going to outgrow our self-destructive tendencies? That's an optimistic it's a, thought. It's an open question. Yeah. I look forward to that day. Should it ever occur? So you guys know that we're always fans of science fiction. So what's a good example of science fiction, um, type one civilization? Um, I think a lot of your more, and I, the only specific example I ran across was like sort of like the old Buck Rogers, <laughs> um, you know, where he's, he's moving around the solar system a little, but the energy involved is basically type one civilization. I think a lot of your, you're sort of, uh, I think you see a lot of it in some sort, some cyberpunk, you know, where it's like you're not like super spacefaring kind of, uh, um, kind of f- future world, but it's like they're, they're getting the energy figured out on a planetary level. I guess some of your more optimistic, yeah, of course, cyberpunk tends not to be all that optimistic because some of your more optimistic views of a, of a, you know, not too distant future. Okay. So let's level up. Let's head on up to type two civilizations. What do you yeah. Think? This is where things get, uh, like things get pretty far out in a hurry. When right, you we start talking two. about Dyson swarms and Dyson spheres. Yeah, our uh, our friend uh, from the last section we just talked about Freeman Dyson, um, and, uh, and all these guys are still alive, by the way, even uh, uh, even Kardashev. So, Type Two civilization is all about the sun. Really, it's about harnessing the energy of the solar system, namely the star at the center of a solar system. Okay. Yeah, and. Uh, and of course, we're talking pretty much here about solar energy. It's the big one. Uh, Freeman Dyson um, proposed this idea uh, called a uh, Dyson swarm. Right. Um, and and this is again, this is kind of like you know him thinking along the, the lines that Kardashev had, had laid out and saying like, all right, what would this entail if you could capture you know the power of the entire sun? So this is like taking satellites, like solar harvesters, mm-hmm. and either like looping them in a belt around a star. Or just completely swarming them around a star, you know, like flies around a, you know, a, a rotting stake or something, you know, uh, and they just harvest all to the point where they're just harvesting like all the energy of that star and transferring it back to the uh, to the mankind, masters, yeah. wherever mankind may be, right? And then haven't they also talked about enslaving a black hole for a Type Two civilization? Yeah, yeah. Any of these uh, these uh, situations where they talk um, talk about like harnessing some sort of massive. Uh, um, you know, body. star or star related body like a black hole. Yeah. That would be another in- instance of, of type two status. Um, 
Oh, and Dyson also had, there's also the idea of the Dyson sphere, which is, uh, basically in like a giant eggshell, imagine, you know, a big round shell that goes around a star. Yeah, I'm thinking of a Cadbury egg. Maybe it's because we're recording this in the afternoon. Yeah, they, you know, and it could be, I mean, they could make it shaped like a Cadbury egg and even have it like with the fancy foil wrappers because they're tied to civilizations. Who's going to stop them? Right, right. But, uh, this one has shown up in a lot of science fiction. Um, I know they encountered one in Star Trek. Okay. Uh, a Dyson uh, sphere. And uh, then also in like the Warhammer 40,000 universe, there's like one with a, an evil energy god in the center or something. And they're, they're everywhere. Cause in they're, Dune. they're really, a, is there a Dyson sphere in Dune? Oh, no, I'm sorry. There's a type two civilization in yes. Dune. Yes. Uh, yeah. D- yeah. Dune is uh, a good example of type two civilization. Um, th- that's the thing. Also, um, yeah. In addition to the Dyson sphere, we're going to be able to do cool stuff in the type two civilization, like interstellar travel and yeah, the ability to move entire planets. Yeah. A lot of megastructure type things like, uh, the stuff in like Larry uh, Niven's Ring World or the Halo games where you have these just giant, you know, structures that are floating out there. And I mean, that's, that's all type two civilization type stuff. Um, of course, when will we actually reach the point where we could have those things? Well, Kardashev himself said that it would take a mere 3,200 years to reach type two status. So it's a little ways off. Don't. Right. So now we're working on 3,300 years because we still have to make the leap to the type one civilization from our lowly 0.7 or 0.74 status. Mm-hmm. So factor that in. And now that we have another 3,200 years. So we're working on 3,300 yeah, years. Don't mark it on your Google calendar just yet. Because, again, <laughs> these are very rough figures we're dealing with here. Um, you know, it's not like, oh, type two civilization day. We get to take a half day at work. You know, um, let's get to the apex of civilization, shall we? Oh, the yes. Pinnacle. The type three civilization. And this is a, a natural uh, progression here. Type three, you command energy on a galactic scale. Mm-hmm. All right. So we're basically talking godlike powers. Like right. any, so everybody's yeah. going to be naming their kids Zeus and stuff like that. Oh, I don't know. Will there be kids? Will they have names? I don't know. That's the thing. It, That's gets a good to, point. it gets to the point where, I mean, are we, what are we at that point? Are we people are anymore? It's like very, you know, post-human and transhuman kind of a deal. And that's where the sci-fi examples get kind of weird because, like, technically the Star Wars Empire is an example of the Type Three civilization, but just in terms of its scope, really, you know, uh, because that's that's not what a Type Three civilization would be like, you know. Yeah, you made the analogy before that predicting what a Type Three civilization would be like is kind of like predicting the weather. I mean, it's just so far out. It's yeah, so and, unpredictable. And the more far out you get, the the, the more difficult it is to imagine, um, you know. Because, uh, like, for one thing, you're getting into stuff like uh, planet energy, um, yeah, yeah, which uh, which uh, could you know involve like warping time and space, you know. So you know, it's just very difficult to to reason. It's fun to imagine what that could entail, you know, like Doctor Who, Time Lords, you know, the monoliths and 2001, you know, all sorts of really trippy and amazing stuff, but. Uh, but it's 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 technology on a level that's really hard to fathom. Right. So Planck energy is talking about energy that's a quadrillion times larger than our most powerful atom smasher. Mm-hmm. You know, the Large Hadron Collider right now. Um, or actually, I don't know if that's our most powerful one. Do you? I got to think it's one of the most. That um, we know of. It could be <laughs> secret ones. Right. So the energy as fun... The energy, as fantastic as it may seem, is by definition within the range of a type 2 or type 3 civilization. Yeah. And you were asking earlier, you're like, well, how about type four civilization? But I mean, at that point, you're getting, you're just getting silly. I mean, that's, we're well, not necessarily getting silly, but it's like, again, it's like we're already talking about godlike technological powers that we 
can barely begin to fathom. So, um, you know, type four, who knows what that would entail. The, the big thing, though, the thing that we can fathom in theory about all this is right. that each civilization would involve more and more energy being used. Yeah. And therefore we and used efficiently and used in a large scale way. Right. And being and being thrown into a communications system. Uh, in, in theory. And that, that comes back to the whole reason that Kardashev came up with all of this stuff. Like his, his thinking is that, all right, you're scanning ra- radio waves in deep space, you know, uh, type one civilization would be very difficult, very unlikely to detect, but a, a type two civilization would be putting out enough that you'd be able to detect it and type three, even more so. Right. So it comes down to that. And presumably type four would be, you know, it'd be even more energy uh, on a scale that, it would either either you would be able to detect it, or it would be just everywhere anyway, so you wouldn't be able to detect it. Like maybe Type Four. I mean, who can even imagine? You know, like maybe it's space time itself is a is like a, a, a civilization, a fourth level civilization. Who I knows? say this is a good time to invite listener feedback because I would like yeah. to hear what you guys imagine a yeah, fourth and, civilization and, to be. And we are far from sci-fi experts, so let, you know, hit us with your examples of uh, of Type One through Three in science fiction and and. Uh, you know, let us know what you think, because I mean, that's the ultimate thing about a lot of this cosmological stuff is it just it's they're 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 models that we use to try and understand the future uh, and and understand the cosmos. Uh, so they're very thought provoking. So, yeah, if you want to hear Robert ponder more over what the Earth may be like in 500 years or 5000 years, hey, go to HowStuffWorks.com. We just publish articles on both of those topics. Yeah, they're pretty brief, but they're, uh, they, they hit the topics pretty hard, I think. And, and Josh just posted on this, too, so you can always check it out at the blogs, too. Yeah. Yeah, Josh did a post uh, on, uh, I think, about human hum- humanity's smugness when it comes to the, uh, the this particular scale. So yeah, check it out. So what you got in your hand there? I have some listener uh, email that we received. It's <laughs> like a photo, actually, that you have in your hand. Oh, well, yeah, well, we'll get to that in the next uh, next podcast. Um but uh, no, these two, uh, I got two, I have two emails here from uh, some listeners in Australia. Oh, so Australia. Uh, first, we have one from Taylor. Yep. And uh, Taylor writes, hey guys, just thought I would let you know how to say good day. You say it like g'day. The D is short and the A-I sound is long on the end. So again, it's saying, wait, let me get this. G'day instead of g'day. So Great. apparently that's a common problem when people try and do Australian accents or even just mimic some of the lingo. We also got another email from Australia that kind of cracked me up, I have to say. Oh, yes, this one was good. This too. is our very first correction upon correction. Yeah, this was uh, a, a listener by the name of Matthew uh, wrote in and said, I'm correcting a correction. <laughs> um, one of your previous listeners from Australia obviously doesn't know about the funnel web spider, which lives in the greater Sydney region. At least one person is bitten each year because they forgot to check their shoes. And with snakes, the eastern brown and the red belly black are often found in home at home in regional centers. So, All right. So there you go. Because I think the whole thing, was we uh, we did the uh, podcast about uh, venom and we're like, whoa, Australia is just like crazy venomous. Right. And right. Uh, and, and, and then someone wrote in and was, was like, it's really not that bad as long as you're not out in the Although she did permanently wild. give me the visual of riding a kangaroo into work, which is still Oh, yeah. She said like she wanted to let us know that that everyone doesn't live in caves or, or ride kangaroos. And though we're making fun, I mean, I Australia does get a bad rap. A lot of times, because I mean, like any place, there are stereotypes. Of course. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, just like I'm obnoxious Americans that we are. <laughs> yeah, with our guns. But uh, so anyway, if you have uh, if you have any other uh, corrections, uh, hit us with them. If you have corrections upon corrections, hit us with those. If you have corrections upon corrections upon corrections, no, well, don't do those because that's just good. Send them to Facebook because we're on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, and Twitter. Uh, lab stuff on Twitter. Stuff in the science lab on Facebook. All right, guys, that's all we got. Thanks for listening. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Want more HowStuffWorks? Check out our blogs on the HowStuffWorks.com homepage.